Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're here on the first day of this new year to worship you because there's nowhere else we'd rather be. And as we look back, we thank you that you have sought us and saved us. Lord, that you have brought us through another year. You have met our needs, that we have seen people one to you and lives change. We have much to be thankful for. And Lord, here we are with you on the start of a new year. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us. And I pray over the course of this year that all of us, we would grow in our love for you, Jesus. We would be more in love with you at the end of the year than we are now. Holy Spirit, help us to grow in our love for one another, that our love would grow this year. Help us to grow in our love for lost people this year, that we would see more and more people brought to you. Lord, I pray as we open your word together today, you would forgive the one who speaks for his sins are many. And and pray that... um, that you would teach us and we would all leave here more in love with you than when we came. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Do you know what a New Year's resolution is? It's something that goes in one year and out the next. Okay, that was bad. One more and then I'll be done, okay? What city, what city has the best New Year's celebrations? What city? Some people would say New York, but I think New York is way overrated. You know why? Because every year they drop the ball. Okay, maybe I'll pick up my Bible and read the Bible, okay? Hey, I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bible, turn there with me. If you don't, you can follow on the screen. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as it as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. So here we are, the start of a new month and a new year, and if you're new... We have studies on your seat, and it's a, it's a disciple-making tool, but tools don't make disciples. Disciples make disciples. But I'd love for you to pick it up. We want you to take this with you. And as you turn to the first page, it has our purpose as a church. The reason we're here is we want to make disciples together. And so over the last few years, we've asked, well, what is a disciple? And we said a disciple is a follower of Jesus. And then we said, well, what would that look like? And And so we said that a a disciple has three great loves. We love Jesus. And what I'm praying for you is this year you would grow in your love for Jesus. And that a disciple loves one another. And my prayer is that we would grow in our love for one another this year. And that a disciple loves lost people, that we would grow in our love for the 200,000 lost people in our county this year. And then on the next page, we have a disciple-making map. It's laid out to help you become a disciple and a disciple maker. We want to make disciples the way Jesus did. And so Jesus would win the lost, and we want to equip you to win lost people. 
And then Jesus would build believers. So we want to equip you where you can build believers. And then Jesus would equip workers and we want to help you to equip workers. And then Jesus would multiply disciple makers and we want to help you be able to do the same. If you turn the page, then it talks about the importance of being in a small group. And then it talks about a good news app. We're going to roll out a new app for you and explain that next week. And then as we turn to the next page, it has <clears throat> where we'll be going this month in our messages. And then it has our budget for 2022 on the next page. Uh, that, that our budget laid out for this year would be a little over $2.6 million to, to make disciples here and around the world. So to put that in a little bit of context, we wanted to look back for just a moment. And in 2021, we saw 87 people who professed faith in Christ. And we had 21 people who had the chance to win someone to faith in Christ. And we give God thanks for that. And, 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 and you might say, well, how do we know that? Because someone let us know. So if you have the opportunity this week or this year to lead someone to faith in Christ, please let us know. We'd love to celebrate the, someone coming to faith in Christ, but even more so, we'd love to celebrate the number of people who have a chance to win someone to faith in Christ. And then in 2021, our giving, you guys were amazingly generous that we had 2,750,000, 2, $2, $2, $2, $750,000 given last year. Thank you so much for being so, so generous. Thank you. In, in a really tough year, we were blessed. Thank you. And that enabled us to make disciples here and, and around the world. We, we, we take 13% of all the money that's given and invested in, in church planting. And so we, the 13% plus the money that was given, we were able to help plant 14 churches around the world and invest over $328,000 in planting churches around the world to share the gospel. So, so thank you so much for giving. And I want you to know that we are very thankful for the fruit that we saw in 2021, but we as a church want to bear more fruit. Because Jesus said, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So I'm going to read something to you, and you can pick up a copy when you leave uh, on one of the tables in the lobby. But um, there has never been a better time for the church to be the church the leaders of Good News Church, its pastors and elders, are excited to lead the church forward in making disciples together. Because the opportunity is so great and our conviction regarding our purpose so strong, we're embarking on a strategic planning process with the desire to become more effective in making disciples together. We're thankful for the fruit we've borne. We want to bear more fruit because there's so many people who need Jesus. The Bible teaches that without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. Proverbs 15, 22. Therefore, we have asked Dr. Scott Roden, Chief Strategy Officer of the Focus Group, to assist us. Dr. Roden has over 20 years of experience in this work, and we are confident he will guide us toward a great outcome. A team made up of pastors, elders, staff, and members is working together on this project beginning this month, we actually start tomorrow evening. Uh, these leaders will bring a variety of insight from the congregation into this process. Please pray for this team and for the planning process. We plan to compete, complete the process by May 2022. So it'll start tomorrow, finish in May, 
And we believe that the best days for Good News Church are ahead. Thank you for your prayers and your partnership in the gospel. If you would pick one up, the first side, the front side, tells you what I just read to you. And then the back side has the people that are a part of the team. So you can pray for them as we begin to meet together. Because as a church, we do want to bear more fruit. And uh, so then that comes back to you. How would you like to bear more fruit in this new year? Maybe you say, you know, Smiley, what I would love is I would love to win one person to faith in Christ. We believe you can do that and we can help you. Or maybe you say, what I'd really like to do is to invite someone, to invite someone to follow Jesus with me. We believe you can do that and what we want to do is to equip you to do that. Or, or maybe you say, you know, I'd like to start a small group this year so that we can make room for new people. We believe you can do that. We'd love to come aside, alongside you and help you to do that. So in the study, as we continue on in the study, to help you in that, we're starting to read through the New Testament. And you might ask, why do we read through the New Testament every year? So that when you have a chance to lead someone to faith in Christ, you can invite them to read through the New Testament with you. I had the privilege in 2021 to lead a, a young man to faith in Christ, and, and we read through the Bible together, and it was so great to read through the New Testament with someone who was reading it for the first time. So you can always invite someone to join you. And then, and then if you'd like more, you could read, there's another plan in here to read through the Bible as well. And then it lays out in here that where we're going in, in our worship services and in our small groups, we're going to walk through a New Testament book, Colossians, and then we're going to walk through an Old Testament book, Malachi, this year, Colossians at the beginning of the year, Malachi in the latter part of the year. And the theme's going to be the same, to keep your eyes on Jesus, to keep your eyes on Jesus. There's so many distractions in our, in our culture to get our eyes off of Jesus, and we're going to learn how to keep our eyes on Jesus. And the good news we're going to explore today in Colossians is that the gospel is good news. Many people believe that Colossians is the most Christ-centered book in the entire Bible. It's more about Jesus than any other book. And so if you'd like to know him better, we're going to be walking through this and, and really discovering that the gospel is good news. Since we're starting a study, it's always good to ask a few questions. And the first question we want to ask is, well, who's the author? Who wrote this book? In verse 1, the author identifies himself, right? Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. <laughs> Paul knew that he was an apostle by the will of God because Paul wasn't searching for God. God found Saul and saved him and changed him into Paul. So Paul, an apostle, is writing this. And I want you to know that we're all called to be disciples, but we're not all apostles. The apostles were eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. They saw him after he rose from the dead. And the apostles played a key role in the church. The apostles and prophets gave us the New Testament. This book is one of them. And, and, and the Bible is the foundation of the church. So we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And Paul wrote many of those books. The author is Paul. The audience or the recipients, who was the letter written to? It was written to the church at Colossae. Do you see that in verse 2? to the saints and faithful member brethren in Christ who are at Colossa. So this letter was written to a real church in Colossa. What the date of this book is about 60 to 62 AD. And the occasion, it's an interesting book. Most of Paul's letters were written to churches that he planted. 
But Paul didn't plant the church in Colossae. Uh, how do we know this? Well, in chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face. So he's writing this letter to people who've never met him. Well, if Paul didn't plant this church, how did this church get there? Well, well let me show you a map here and I'll help you get there. See Colossae right in the middle of, of um, what we would call Turkey today? Now, if you, look to, if you look to the west of that, you see Ephesus. In the mid-50s AD, in the mid-50s, Paul spent three years in Ephesus. He spent three years in Ephesus and planted the church there. And what we believe happened was Epaphras, Epaphras, who was from Colossae, went to Ephesus, was one to faith in Christ through uh, Paul, was discipled, and then went back to Colossae and planted the church in about 55 A.D. All right, he's there for about five to seven years. Five to seven years later, Paul is now in Rome in prison. We read about that in Acts 28. There's problems in the church at Colossae. So Epaphras travels to Rome to tell Paul the problems they're experiencing through false teachers. So Paul writes this letter to correct the false teaching in Colossae in about 60 to 62 A.D. And what he's going to say in the letter over and over again is keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus, never forget, never forget that the gospel is good news. And uh, what is the, the good news of the gospel? The good news of the gospel is that Jesus seeks and saves the lost. Do you know why that's such good news? Because you know what religion teaches? Religion teaches God is hiding from, from us and we have to seek God and save ourselves. But the gospel says, no, no, we're the ones who were lost and God seeks us and God saves us. It's exactly the opposite of religion. The gospel says our problem, the bad news of the gospel is our problem of sin. And a sin is a crime against God. It's very personal. We push God away and say, leave us alone, right? Leave us alone. We'll do life our way. And so we commit crimes against God in thought, in word, in deed, over and over again. And what we deserve for what we have done, the Bible says, is, is hell. Once we're lost, once we realize we're lost and we're in big trouble, then hearing that someone's coming to save us is really good news. And that's what Jesus said in Luke 19.10. Jesus says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Listen, if people don't know they're lost, do you think they're thrilled to, to find someone's coming to find them? No, but if they realize they're lost and someone is searching for them, someone is coming to save them, that's good news. The Son of God, the Son of Man, God, God put on flesh, God the Son put on flesh and came to earth to seek and save us. He lived a perfect life for us. He went to the cross. He climbed on the cross. He took our sins upon himself. He died in our place. He rose on the third day, and he offers us eternal life. Oh, listen to this. The, the verse that changed my life, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. I heard Jesus knocking on the door of my heart. He said I could be forgiven of all my sins and I could do life and eternity with him. You know what I said? Yes. Who wouldn't want to be forgiven? 
Who wouldn't rather do life with Jesus than without him? Who wouldn't rather do eternity with him than without him? I said, are you kidding me? That all I need to do is receive you and I can be forgiven? Yes. I can do life with you? Yes. I can do eternity with you? Yes. How about you? Would you like to go to bed forgiven? You can. Wouldn't you rather do life with Jesus than without him? Wouldn't you rather do eternity with him than without him? Well, how do we get there? Did you hear what Jesus said? I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. So what I did is I admitted to Jesus that, that I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you? And then I believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose, won't you? And then I trusted Jesus as Savior. Lord, Jesus, come in and forgive me. It's so good to go to bed forgiven. Wouldn't you like to? Jesus, forgive me. Give me eternal life. <laughs> Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. I have walked with Jesus for many, many years. My life is so much better with Jesus running it than me. Wouldn't you like to be forgiven? Wouldn't you like to do life in eternity? Won't you receive him? And, and if you have, listen to what Jesus said. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will commend him and will dine with him and he with me. Dining together in the Bible is about friendship. And Jesus moves in and says, let's be friend. And you know what we get when Jesus moves into us? We get everything. We get everything. What is the gospel that Paul preaches? The gospel that Paul preaches is that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Now look at this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's the gospel. Do you know what was happening in Colossae? People were saying, yeah, believing in Jesus, that's important, but you need more. That's important, but you need more. And Paul says, no, no, when Jesus moves in, when Jesus moves in, you get everything. So if anyone ever says to you that Jesus isn't enough, you need more than Jesus, you know you're listening to a false teacher because the gospel is that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And notice the reverse of that's also true. The reverse of that is that if you have everything the world offers us, everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Do you ever look around our country and see so much affluence unbelievable affluence and so many miserable, joyless, hopeless people. You know why? Because everything our culture offers us minus Jesus equals nothing. But if we know Jesus, we have everything, right? Oh. So in the study, in the disciple-making map, when, when we have a chance to win someone to faith in Christ and we're trying to build a believer, we want to help them understand that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so when we get Jesus, we get an identity. We get to know who am I. And we get a community. We get to know where do I belong. And we get a purpose. Why am I here? And we get a hope. Where am I going? And so we need to understand that so we can help others understand that too. And it's all right here in our passage, isn't it? Identity. Who am I? Look at verse 2. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. Who am I? I'm a Christian. 
Listen, I'm a saint. I'm a set-apart one. Who am I? I'm a member of the family of God. That's who I am, and it's freely given to us in Christ. Uh, I mean, if someone asks you, who are you? What would you say? I mean, if someone says, smiley, who are you? I'd say, I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Christ. That's who I am. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, I'm a pastor, but above all else, I'm a Christian. Jesus gave me an identity, and it's important I know that, and so that I can help others know that too, right? We get an identity. It's so good to know who I am, right? We get a community. We get a community. Did you see that? To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. Now, Paul was teaching them that they were in Christ, that's where they belong, but they lived in Colossae. One more time, this is really important. Listen, they, they were in Christ, where they belonged was in the church, because we all have a longing for belonging. And he was saying where they belonged was in Christ, they belonged in the church, and they lived in Colossae. Do, do you know my community? I belong to the church. I live in America. That's so important to understand. I talk to Christians continually who say, well, I just don't quite fit in in our culture anymore. And I say, that's good. We're not supposed to. We belong in the church. We live in America. We're here for a purpose. And, and I know people today are very down on the church because of all of her flaws. But I want you to know that's why I love the church because she's flawed. There's a place where a flawed person like me can belong. We live in a cancel culture where you have to be perfect. That it doesn't matter what you do right, how many things you say right, if you do one thing wrong, you're canceled and there's no way back. I can't exist in that. I need to be in a community where every member of the community says, I am so rotten. My only hope for eternity is Jesus. That's why I love the church. It's not because she's beautiful, but it's the only organization where everyone who belongs there says, I'm so rotten, Jesus is my only hope. There's a place where a flawed person like me can belong. Isn't there great that there's a place that flawed people can belong? You don't have to be perfect. What do we get with Jesus? We get an identity. We, we, we get a community. We get a purpose. Listen, why am I here? Jesus has a purpose for our life so big that we could get up each day of our life and be excited about it. Did you hear it? Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Want to learn how to pray? Study how Paul prays. Listen, he, he's going to pray for the church from verses 3 to 14. From 3 to 14, what we're going to look at today in 3 through 8, he is thanking God for all the fruit, all the fruit that's, be, that's being born in Colossae. He's praying for that. And like, as a church, we're thankful too. But then in 8, 9 through 14, then he's going to pray for more fruit, more fruit, more fruit. And so our prayers should have a balance, right, between thanking God for what he's doing and asking God to do even more amazing things. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, all, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. 
Well, he's thanking God that the gospel is producing fruit in Colossae. The people are growing in their love for one another because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth. The gospel, the gospel which has come to you just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit. As the gospel was being preached in Colossae, it was continually changing lives. It was bearing fruit. People were being changed by the gospel and increasing. You see, the gospel was producing fruit in the lives of believers, and then it overflowed into the community and increasing the number of people who were being to one to Christ through the gospel. Even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, there he is, the one who planted the church, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. So as it speaks here about bearing fruit, people often ask, well, Smiley, is that, is that the fruit of the Spirit, or is that the fruit of winning people to Christ and, and making disciples who can make disciples? Which is it? And the answer is what? It's both. The gospel produces fruit in us, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel produces fruit. We're changed. And then the gospel or the Holy Spirit produces fruit through us in the lives of others as we share the gospel. The gospel that changes us changes others. Do you see that, your love in the Spirit? There are verses in the Scripture that are just so, so good. Let me show you one of them. In 1 Corinthians 2, yet... You ever wonder why the Holy Spirit was given to us? Listen to this. This is so good. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Uh, thank goodness for that, right? But the spirit who is from God. So why did the Father, why did the Son send the Spirit? So that we may know the things freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see everything that we have in Christ. The Holy Spirit loves to exalt Jesus. And he says, listen, the one who moved into you, the one who moved into you is Jesus. Jesus lives in you. Jesus seeks and saves the lost and he's moved into you. Listen, when you get Jesus, you get forgiveness. You get to do life in eternity. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit says, listen, you get an identity and a community. You get a purpose. You get hope. You get it all in Jesus. Do you sometimes just marvel at all that you've been given in Christ? See, the Holy Spirit loves to show us all the things that have been freely given to us by God because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And what the Holy Spirit loves to do is to show us Jesus, how beautiful he is, and then form him in us. And that's how we bear fruit through the gospel. The Holy Spirit shows us Jesus and forms him in us. Isn't that the fruit of the Spirit? I mean, in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Isn't that what we all long for? Don't we long for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness? And How do we get it? We look at Jesus and the gospel right in the Holy Spirit forms him in us. And that's how our lives are changed, by looking at Jesus and the Holy Spirit forming him in us. And then as the gospel really brings fruit in us, it's fruit through us. Think a moment for a, the people you know, your neighbors who don't know Jesus. If you ask them, 
Name the three things you would most like to have in life. If you ask your unreached friends, what are the three things they would most like to have in life? I guarantee you the top three of the fruit of the Spirit would be on everyone's list. They would get one of those three, two of those three. I wouldn't be surprised if your neighbor listed the first three, right? Who doesn't want love? Know anybody? Who doesn't want joy? Who doesn't want peace? What if, what if our lives were being changed by the gospel so that more and more love came out and joy came out and peace came out? Wouldn't more and more people be interested in the gospel, wouldn't they? Look at the, Look how it goes on in, in faithfulness. What an opportunity we have to change our country by, by bearing the fruit of faithfulness, right? Like staying married if we're married or showing up at work if we're working, right? Wow, how we would stand out through our faithfulness, wouldn't we? And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying in Colossae, God was doing something special. There was a church, and they were growing in their love for one another. And people were seeing that love, and they were being drawn in. Isn't that exactly what Jesus said, isn't it? Remember what Jesus said in John 13? In John 13, Jesus said, By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Now notice the one another, it's so important. The Bible calls us to love our neighbor. The Bible calls us to love our enemy, but that's not the one another. When you see the word one another, it's talking about in the church. Jesus says there's 200,000 lost people in our county, and they can look at us and determine whether we're disciples or not based on the fact, do we love one another in this body? The greatest thing we can do to reach our county is to love one another in the church of Jesus Christ because the one thing people are looking for is they're looking for a loving community. And I want you to know what it's saying. It's not saying that you, you love one another in the church when they're lovely because everybody loves people when they're lovely. What makes the church different is the people love each other when they've been disappointed and hurt and let down. You know why they do that? Because that's how they've been loved by Jesus Many, many years ago, I went to Young Life, and when I went, I walked into a room, and I said, I don't know what these people have, but whatever it is, I want it. Wouldn't that make evangelism so much easier for us if we loved each other well so that people said, you know, I, I don't know what these people have, but whatever it is, I want it. It's pretty easy to give Jesus to people who want him, isn't it? Uh, so listen, the Holy Spirit takes the gospel and produces fruit in us, and then he produces fruit through us, fruit through us. Remember, remember right before Jesus ascended into heaven as he gathers his disciples together in Acts verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 8, we read, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Do you know the difference with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the New? Anybody know the difference? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came upon a few. The prophet, the priest, the king. But you know who gets the Holy Spirit in the New Testament? Who? Every believer. You know why? Because we're all called to be witnesses. Now, last year, we had 21 people lead someone to faith in Christ. What if that was double this year? What if there were 42? Wouldn't you want to be one of them? 
Jesus, you say you've given me your spoiled. Lord, help me to win one person this year. Would you do that? What if that 21 was tripled? Well, if that was tripled, we would see what? 63 people. Um, don't you want to be one of them? Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit so that we would have confidence that when we share the gospel that we hear every week, the Holy Spirit will do the hard part and draw people to Jesus. When we get Jesus, we get an identity, we get a community, we get a purpose. We're here to bear fruit, to show people how the gospel is transforming our lives, and then to share the gospel with others. We get hope. We get hope. I love hope, don't you? Look at verse um, 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You, you ever look around our culture and see so many hopeless people, so many angry joyless people. And, and, and here's a group of people in the middle of our culture who are filled with hope. So let me ask you, what robs people of hope? What robs people? Well, our past and our present and our future, right? I mean, our past, we failed a lot, right? And, and so that robs us. I can't have a future because of our past, but we know Christ died and rose and that our failures are not fatal and we're forgiven, right? <sighs> Listen, Christ brings hope with our past. How about in the present? And isn't it the futility of, of the present that overwhelms us? But Jesus gives us a purpose big enough to give our lives to so that our lives are not futile. We're here for a purpose that matters. What about the future? What robs us is if you're old like me, you look in the mirror. It doesn't look good, right? But when Christ moves in, what does he say? That the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. So Christ fills us with hope. We have just what our culture needs, right? We have... You know what I'm saying, right? We need, we, we offer them hopium, right? Isn't that what people need? A lot of hopium. And isn't that what we have to give to, isn't that what the gospel is? Isn't it hopium? We offer hopeless people hopium. I, I love that. We get identity and community and purpose and hope and we get truth. Oh, man. Do you ever just find yourself saying, will someone just tell me the truth? Verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard the word of truth, the gospel. The gospel is true. The gospel is true. Which has come to you, justice in all the world. It is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. The gospel is good news. It's truth. It's not good moral philosophy. It's about a real person named Jesus Christ who lived, died, rose again, and said we could too. Listen, the gospel isn't true because it works. It works because it's true. And when the gospel is proclaimed, people's lives are changed. And when the gospel is proclaimed because it's true, lost people are brought to Christ. And so what we've seen so far is that um, the gospel is good news. And when that Jesus comes to seek and save the lost, and when he moves into us, we get it all. We get forgiveness and the chance to do life and eternity with him. That, listen, we get an identity and a community and a purpose and a hope and truth. So here's the action step I'd like for you to take this week. I just want you to enjoy. Wouldn't you like joy? I want you to enjoy the gospel every day, to enjoy the gospel every day. And you say, well, how do you do that? 
Listen, we can learn from Paul. One way we enjoy the gospel is we thank Jesus. We thank Jesus for what he's done and is and will do for us. And secondly, we share him with others. That's how we enjoy the gospel daily. Let me share with you what I do. I mean, would it be bragging for me to tell you this? You won't believe, you won't believe who I have breakfast with every day. You, you wouldn't believe it if, if, I, if, if I told you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will commend him and will dine with he, him and he with me. You know, every morning I get to have breakfast with Jesus. Is that the most amazing thing you've ever heard in your life? And you know what happens when I see him? I thank him. Thank you. Thank you for seeking and saving me. Thank you we get to be friends. And thank you that because you've moved in, I get everything. Thank you that I have an identity. And thank you that I have a community. And thank you that I have a purpose. And thank you that I have hope. And thank you that I have truth. Thank you. And you know what happens when I thank him? When I go out, you know what? I want to tell everyone who I had breakfast with because he's so amazing. Um, this week, why don't you start your day by spending time with Jesus? Just look at him. Just thank him. And when you see how amazing he is, you know what you'll want to do? You'll want to go and tell everyone about him. You will. Because I find the more I thank him and the more I look at him, the more every conversation I have with anyone always comes back to Jesus, you know? It just does because Jesus is amazing, isn't he? You know what I long for us this year? I, I long for us all to become oranges, oranges. You say, what? So you have an orange and you squeeze it, what comes out? Jesus does. You know, I listen to a lot of fail armies on TV. And when bad things happen to people, you know what doesn't come out of people? Jesus. A lot of other things come out. You know what would be great in our crazy world that the more the world squeezes in on us, you know what comes out of our mouths? Jesus. You know what comes out of our mouth? The gospel. That we are so full of Jesus that in tough times and in good times, what comes out of us is Jesus. Because there is one thing, there is one thing that every person in this county shares in common. You know what it is? We all need Jesus, especially me. No one needs Jesus more than I do. And I so long to be so full of him that when I get squeezed, he comes out. Don't you want to be like that too? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to seek and save sinners. Thank you for coming to seek and save me. That you would leave heaven for me and for us. That you would live that perfect life and die in our place and rise for us. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for offering us forgiveness and the opportunity to do life and eternity with you. And listen, if that sounds good to you and you've never received Jesus, won't you? He's here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and forgive me and, and give me eternal life and be my Savior. And I want you to be Lord of my life. 
Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for all of us who've received you that we would realize that when we get you, we get it all. Lord, I pray that we would, we would get up and, and have breakfast with you and as we look at you and as we thank you and as the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see how rich we are in you, I, I pray that our lives would change and we would become more and more like you and that, Jesus, we would be so full of you that we would want to go and share with others not how amazing we are, but how amazing you are. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.